Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. Glad to see everyone. Glad to see everyone with us on live stream this morning. I hope you had a wonderful discussion. I was encouraged in my time in the Word this week, and I hope you are too. Um, I have a few announcements for us. First of all, those of you who are signed up to come to the retreat, um, you should have received an email this morning, but we are in Plan B, our rain plan, since there's a 90% chance of rain on Saturday. Uh, So we will be combining our sessions, our morning and evening session, together. Uh, We'll have the morning session, one hour of lunch, and then the evening session from one to three. And and then we'll have some time afterwards, if if the weather clears, to to spend some time on the property. So we're just having to be flexible, as as God would have us to be. Um, My second announcement has to do with um, something I'm rolling out this week, uh, an opportunity for a summer book club. And I really want to encourage all of you to read a book that has meant a lot to me, whether you join with other people or not. Um, I, I think the summer is a great time to read. And this book, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, um, was my favorite book of 2020. Um, I just think it is um, a really fresh insight into the character of Jesus and calls us to follow him in a new way. And it's a really good companion to what we have just studied in Mark. And so what I want you to do is to consider maybe staying with some of the ladies in your group and talking about this book over the course of the summer. Um, I'm going to have a private Facebook group, which you are allowed to um, request to join, and I'll be giving encouragement on that group, and every week on Thursday I'll post a short little video about the chapters for the week. We'll we'll read two chapters a week, Um, and we will finish by August the 2nd. Um, you can go to, you'll be able to go to our website and find the link to, to get all this information. It's going out in the newsletter um, this weekend, and I'll continue to, to roll it out via Facebook. But I just wanted to tell you about it and invite you uh, to read it with me. I think it's going to be a great time together. Okay, we have um, our last memory verse. So let's stand together and let's read. From Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So this is the great commission given to us. We're going to talk about it some this morning in the, in the teaching. But let's pray and ask God to open our eyes as we move into the lesson. Our Holy Father, we, we just take a moment to be silent in your presence, to give you all of our focus, all of our attention, all of our praise and adoration. God, your word says that you inhabit the praises of your people, and so we're asking you to just inhabit our awe and are all of you, as we have studied about this monumental event in our history where you took on flesh and came and died on a cross and was buried and rose again on our behalf. And God, we want to experience it um, afresh this morning, and we need your help. Would Would you just fill us 
Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Would you just inhabit our praise? And would you open our eyes? Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us um, just a heart to understand, not to just intellectually know, but a, a heart to understand and to follow and to worship and to just give you our whole life. So we uh, thank you for what you will do in advance. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, everyone who knows me knows that I love a good musical. There's just, there's something about a story told with music that just penetrates my soul. And we're about to talk about Jesus' death and burial and resurrection this morning, a story that a lot of you have heard many times. And I'm going to trust this morning that you spent a lot of time this week in the details, in your time in the Word, and that you just spent some time really talking about the details with your group. I want us to try to, to hear it, to see it, and to experience it in a new way this morning. And so we're going to use music. There is an album that I just love by Andrew Peterson, and it's called Resurrection Letters. And it includes a prologue that has some songs about Jesus' death and burial, but then the resurrection letters are all about the resurrection. And I just love this album, and I really want to encourage you to listen to it in its entirety. I think it will give you a whole new perspective. But this morning, we are going to listen to three of the songs together as we ponder and we reflect on the deep meaning and the implications of Jesus death, burial, and resurrection for us. So, like a good musical, we are going to start with the backstory. Remember back to our fall semester in 2 Samuel 7, we witnessed a covenant that God made with David. God said these words to his servant David, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. We started weeks ago the gospel of Mark and it began with Jesus' announcement of the fulfillment of this prophecy. Jesus ushered in a new kingdom and a new house saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So over our course of study, Jesus has proved himself to be good news for the tax collectors and the sinners, the sick and the lame and the blind, the demon-possessed, the poor, and the marginalized. He was indeed a king, but he was a servant king bringing a kingdom of sacrifice and humility and peace. Well, on Sunday of his final week on earth, Jesus did make a kingly entrance into Jerusalem, but not on a steed with a sword armed for battle. He entered on the unridden colt of a donkey, ready to lay down his life. And now on Friday, he's hailed as king of the Jews, Six times in our text in chapter 15, but not in submission by the defeated Romans, but rather by the ruling Roman governor, Pilate. Pilate's armies mocked Jesus, spat upon him, scourged him brutally, dressed him with a kingly purple robe, a crown of thorns, and saluted him, Hail, King of the Jews! 
willingly humiliated and stripped of his clothes, Jesus remained silent, allowing them to lead him to his crucifixion. The inscription of the charge against him meant to mock him was actually a declaration of truth, the king of the Jews. So Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection demonstrate three important kingdom values that I hope to show you today, and those are death, rest, and grace. So the first kingdom value we observe is death. The Hebrew writer in chapter 12, verse 2, said that Jesus endured this brutal death and scorned its shame for the joy that was set before him. So even as this cup of wrath was poured out on him, the perfect Passover lamb, once for all mankind, he endured the agony with joy. How in the world could he do that? Well, as the son of David, I think the words of King David really helped him. As Jesus felt the agony of separation from his father, his mind turned to a lament of David penned in Psalm 22. King David knew the torment of being hunted like a wild animal by his own people before he took the throne of Israel. So David asked God the same question in Psalm 22, verse 1, that Jesus utters from the cross in Mark 15, 34. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus likely had this entire psalm memorized, so perhaps he recited it to himself as he suffered this agony, remembering the end of the psalm in verse 28 that says, For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations.
put yourself in the place of that thief on the cross, knowing that you deserved to be hanging there beside him, but trusting him to save you? Can you join the centurion who witnessed these miraculous signs and who looked around and said, truly, this man was the son of God? The amazing thing about the exchange that took place on the cross that day is Not only did Jesus die in your place, but he gives you his righteousness in exchange for your faith. So when the Father looks at you, trusting in Jesus, he sees his Son in you, and he says to you both, well done, good and faithful one. Well, the next kingdom value that we observe in the text is rest. Beginning in verse 42 of chapter 15, Jesus was taken down quickly off the cross by Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin. Joseph did this so that he could bury Jesus' body in his family tomb before sundown on the Sabbath. And sometimes I think we skip this Sabbath detail. Sabbath was a sacred day for the Jews the seventh day of every week, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday evening. 
It represented the day that God rested after six days of creative work. And on it, a Jew did no physical work. Jesus made his entry into Jerusalem on a Sunday. For five days, he taught about the upside-down kingdom of God. And on the sixth day, the work of salvation was finished. And it was very good indeed. So on the seventh day, the Jewish Sabbath, God rested. Let's watch this. Seventh day, 
no longer would we have to strive and toil to meet the burdensome requirements of the law that our sin demanded. We rest from our work as we receive the salvation Jesus offered us by grace through faith. Paul said that this is a gift of God, not by works, so that none of us can boast. Jesus made a way for us to enter God's rest. Hebrews 4, 9 and 10 says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Well, I love how that video ended with all creation waiting. What, what were they waiting for? I think they were waiting with us for victory over the last enemy that was standing that day, death. Have you ever thought about the moment when Jesus took his first breath, opened his eyes, and walked out of that tomb? I imagine the scene from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, when God breathed life into Adam. It, it seems to have been a very private, a very intimate moment between Father, Son, and Spirit. When the first Adam left the garden in shame, remember an angel was left to guard the entrance with flaming swords. So now when the second and sinless Adam walked out of the tomb in victory, an angel was left again to guard the evidence. The evidence mattered. The grace that was extended to you and me was that Jesus' death was vindicated or cleared of all suspicion by those who witnessed and observed his resurrected body. The, the angel entrusted this great news to the women who had come in faith to tend his body, Mary, Mary, and Salome. And he told them this, You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Peter? Were the women really specifically supposed to tell Peter? The one to whom Jesus had said earlier, get behind me, Satan? The one who fell asleep three times in the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus prayed? The one who fled the scene with all of the other apostles when Jesus was arrested? The one who denied Jesus three times around that fire? What grace for Jesus to extend this personal message to Peter and then to personally commission him to lead the charge to take the good news to the ends of the world. Peter was to extend the grace that he had received in Jesus' name and for his glory. So Peter and all the other disciples were given that commission, our memory verse, Mark 16, 15 to 17, to proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Matthew records it this way in chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. 
And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So resourced with the presence, with the words, with the power, with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the disciples would do this work, confirmed by testimonies of healing and transformation. We are the recipients of that grace extended more than 2,000 years, more than 12,000 miles to us in Temple, Texas in 2021. And so now the kingdom of God remains in us. God's people. By grace, we get to follow Jesus and extend his grace to others who become disciples and who follow Jesus. And it's through baptism that we proclaim these same three kingdom values that Jesus set before us. Death to self, complete and ultimate surrender into the water that could kill you. Rest as we are buried with Christ and in Christ. And then coming to life by grace, resurrected to never die again. What a privilege that Jesus made us a kingdom of priests to reign with the Son, to make him known, to declare just how worthy of all glory and honor and praise that he is. Jesus is the one that's worthy. So we're going to watch a video of this song, He is Worthy, and it's words you've probably heard before. And so this time, I want, I want you to watch the video and notice the people that appear in this video, the throng of people that start to surround uh, the words that he's singing.
how do we end after this entire semester studying the gospel of Mark? I mentioned Hebrews 12 verse 2 earlier, but I want to close with verses 1 through 3 from the message paraphrase. Linda shared this with me last week, and it seems a really fitting way to close. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means that we better get on with it. Strip down and start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. May it be so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you've revealed to us in this gospel. You've made yourself known to us in very personal ways, very intimate ways. We have seen you in the flesh. We have beheld your glory. 
God, would you help us to, um, to make it real, not only in our mind and our hearts, but in our actions. Would you give us courage to go forth as your kingdom ambassadors, full of the Holy Spirit in us individually and in us collectively as we follow Jesus, as we keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and the pioneer of our faith. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice. Thank you for what you endured for us with joy. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us exactly what we need when we need it, for the work that you have called us to do. We give you all praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.